0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Marking Minute a podcast brought to you by Presco. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today we are talking about fiber initiatives. Obviously as as more and more broadband has become uh, more important to our daily lives these days and making sure that internet connectivity um, is is able to be taken to different places. Uh, this is an important initiative that is going on across the country. And so joining me today to discuss all of this is Eric Zimmer. He's a national account manager at Trident Solutions. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me today. Glad to, Glad to be here and talk about this topic. I've been working on it for 20 plus years.
0: So that's where I wanted to start, because you, you do have so much experience in this area, and you have so much that you can, you can share on this topic, which is why I'm excited to have you on the podcast today, first and foremost. But tell us a little bit more about your background, Eric, and some of the history that you have in this area.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Tyler. I, um, I actually started in the uh, telco world uh, back in 1998 with uh, uh, U.S. West at the time, and we were really um, you know kind of migrating out from the old dial-up. Uh, where you had to kind of log in, dial in, and, and uh, moving into the DSL space. Uh, and so during, during that frame of time, late 90s, 2000, 2001, 2003, we were aggressively deploying uh, DSL across our core markets. And um, through that, I worked in a variety of different roles, uh, from operations to engineering uh, to sales, and uh, continued on on my career in that path and we uh, eventually as we became CenturyLink and I worked um, in that organization we were deploying IPTV as well Uh, so broadband and television all in one um, competing heavily with the cable companies and and the interesting thing is is during that that uh, timeline we were deploying heavily in the cities and the metros uh, but not putting as much money into into rural America. Um, and, you know, certainly organizations, especially, uh, you know, large uh, for profit organizations are going to uh, spend more uh, where they're going to make more. And uh, that's really what happened early on from a broadband perspective. Um First two thirds of my career, I really spent uh, heavily on the telco side, and then I migrated into uh, city management role in Texas. Um, and at that juncture, you're you're really responsible for uh, everything across the community, including utilities and uh, how people connected, uh, not only water, wastewater, but but broadband and electricity, and uh, being able to draw on some some past skills and think about. Um, what what we needed to do from a community, from a from a rural perspective, because I was a city manager in a rural community in far west Texas, um, you know, had the opportunity to work back uh, with some of the the rural telcos, uh, like Big Ben Telephone, on some fiber deployment initiatives, uh, not only connecting our government facilities, but then rolling out fiber to the home uh, type of, of products to our customers within our community. So, So very exciting points in time there. And and then recently I've joined the Trident brand, um, you know, Presco and our platform of companies uh, working more on safety, the side of things and damage prevention. Uh, So certainly when you've got fiber in the ground, the last thing you want is for it to get cut. (laughs) Uh, Hence, if if we were in the middle of this podcast right now and it was live and it got cut, then nobody would see what's going on. So (laughs) <laughs> uh damage prevention and, and how we mark facilities is certainly important. So so glad to be in, in this phase of my career right now.
0: That's that's really great. And I, I like how you brought it full circle and brought us back around to, to what we're talking about today. And obviously, Fiber to the Home initiatives have really ramped up. But how has the pandemic really played into um, this uh, th- this gradual ramping up of Fiber to the Home initiatives? How has the pandemic kind of made all of this um Uh, Brought all of this into the spotlight, let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it it really has, Tyler, when when we think about what the pandemic did, right? So passively, we talked about people working from home and kids could take classes online, whether it was, you know, Khan Academy or remote learning. But as a society, we weren't all in on that. I mean, it was a small portion Mm -hmm. of of our, um, you know, people base. And then when the pandemic hit, and we sent kids home we sent uh, workers home to work from home and everybody had to log in it became problematic uh, especially when people were starting to do more video conferencing whether it was through microsoft teams or zoom and i'll give you my own personal example Um, i'm working from home i had two kids in the university one one kid in the high school and we had a dsl circuit from the local provider, and we couldn't all four be connected at the same time. And so uh, we ended up having to buy from the cable provider too and run two circuits into the home. Now, fortunately, we were in a metro area where we could do that. But a lot of people in rural America, they were on old DSL or very slow uh, cable modems, and that just wasn't an option for them. And so people had to start shift working or shift schooling. Um, and, you know, some kids that didn't even have broadband, I mean, they were driving to libraries or driving to the local coffee shop and sitting out to, outside trying to study. And that's just no way to get an education. Um, and certainly from a work perspective, it's no way to do work either. And I, I think the pandemic, for all the challenges it, it, it presented to society, it did provide us the opportunity Really, to look at how we were handling broadband and how do we improve, um, and and most specifically in rural America too.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question, and I'm get or a great point, and I'm guessing that the the question that follows from that is, is that this really increased demand for. The traditional telcos, right? Which is, uh, which I, I, I wonder, just from your perspective, how the traditional telcos handled all of that demand that all of a sudden kind of came their way, right? At you know at the same time that there's a pandemic going on and all of this stuff happening. So tell us a little bit more about that and how the telcos handled that demand.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to kind of maybe divide that up into you know a tier one provider versus a tier two provider. And, and significant sure. part of my work in in the telco world was with a tier one provider. But as I mentioned earlier, there's heavy focus on your large metros and your commercial customers tied to that. So they were spending a lot of dollars and time in the metros uh, trying to ensure that they could add more capacity to where their remote terminals were um, and trying to solve the issue that way. The challenge is that last mile. Right, So where the fiber didn't exist and you were either riding on um, coax or riding on a, um, a copper wire, you just couldn't mm-hmm. get the throughput there. And so those tier one providers, they weren't really addressing that issue. What we saw tier two in tier three, so the, the the rural telcos and then a lot of the, the, the fiber or excuse me the electric co-ops, as they said, hey, wait a second, you know, we can push fiber all the way to the home and and start resolving these problems. And, and then along with that, we had recognition, certainly at the federal level and state levels too, that, you know, how do we bolster up funding for that? And that funding is what, what also helped uh, really catapult uh, the tier two and in, in some of these cooperatives to start addressing but I would tell you the tier one providers, they weren't doing a whole lot to to address the end users unless they already had fiber to the home. And, and then they mm-hmm. could maybe make some equipment change outs and, and speed up service. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, there wasn't there wasn't heavy addressing of the issue.
0: So what, what impact do you believe that, that, you know, electric utilities and electric co-ops, you know, who enter the space of building fiber networks, what, what impact do you think that, that they can have um, when it comes to this situation?
1: Well, certainly when you have um, an electric co-op or an electric utility go down that path of de- deploying fiber to the home, not mm-hmm. only does it open up the opportunity for those households that have been marginalized with low speed internet. But now all of a sudden as people are contemplating, hey, do I wanna leave the city and I wanna move to a smaller town? They start looking at those communities where number one, there's already fiber to the home or number two, there is an initiative and a movement um, many times by the the, uh, electric co-op to drive fiber to the home. And that way, you know, say if I'm working for an advertising firm in New York City, but I want to move to somewhere in Nebraska, I'm still connected because I've got a one gig or a two gig or a five gig circuit. And that's that's the real impact. On top of that, many kids, when they came home and started schooling from home, they recognized that, number one, there was a social impact that I'm missing out on communicating but there's also a positive educational impact in that I've got access to more learning tools out there. And so now we're seeing schools that are contemplating more of a hybrid approach, but you've got to have that high speed connection, Tyler, in order to, to really deliver on that hybrid approach. And, and so that's, to me, somewhat the magic of having additional organizations start saying, hey, we're going to push fiber home."
0: Absolutely. You know, and and you're you're absolutely right. So many people, you know, took this opportunity to move away from metropolitan centers, because this idea of being able to work from anywhere meant, you're right, you can move from New York City to rural Nebraska, as long as you have that high speed connection to stay in touch with the people and the places that you need to talk to. uh, This facilitates all of that. And so you're absolutely right. That's that's something that has been a huge trend throughout this time. And, And Uh, you know, having that that fiber connection really makes that possible.
1: Exactly. And I think the other side of it, too, um, I mean, education and work is super important. Uh, It somewhat Mm -hmm. defines us who we are as Americans. But entertainment is important, too. And, uh, you know, how we decompress. And when you're um, using, whether it's Netflix or Discovery Plus or HBO Max, and you've got this beautiful new television that um you know allows you to have great visibility um you need that stronger stream of data coming in to deliver that better quality and so a lot of folks also look at this as an opportunity to shift some of their discretionary entertainment dollars um into into the home that way as well and have a good experience plus you know we're seeing Massive growth with the younger generation on using different social media platforms, uh, advertising, marketing, creating videos, and how they upload and share that. uh, The real-time nature of it is super important. So uh, being able to do that, uh, whether you're in rural America or deep in the middle of of a large city, is super important. So fiber is really the answer there.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. That there's a big um, uh, way of connecting people uh, that that matters to this as well as well as entertainment and streaming movies and shows and all of that sort of thing. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, bringing us back a little bit more, I want to talk about the the grant funding provided by the federal and state uh, programs. How have that how have they had an impact on the electric utilities and co coops uh, entering the broadband market?
1: Yeah, and, and Tyler, has a great question because it certainly is key to a lot of these additional entities jumping in and, and deploying infrastructure. You know, four main buckets of money, uh, the Infrastructure uh, Investment Act, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, um, the American Rescue Plan Act, and then the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, also known as RDOF. Uh RDOF mm-hmm. is the one we hear about the most, uh, $20 billion Uh, Although I would tell you the infrastructure investment and JOBS Act is going to, you know, put another 65 billion in for broadband. Uh, But RDoS started started a couple years ago and applications um, were coming in. It was 20, 20 billion. And the interesting thing is in that first phase of applications, we saw about 200 electric co-ops. Uh, win about $1.6 billion in funding for um, fiber-to-the-home initiatives and building out communities. And that amount alone is very significant because it's one thing for our, for our government to turn around and say, here's this pot of money for you all to go build out infrastructure. It's another thing for people to take action. And that's what I love about these co-ops out there Tyler is they are absolutely taking action. Um, hmm. They're working with engineering firms to design, uh, submitting world-class applications, working with the, the national consortium that helps them, and they're really winning funding. And my guess is phase two of that, uh, RDOF plus the, the Infrastructure Investment Act, we're gonna see well over 50, 60% of these co-ops uh, pushing Fiber the Home. And the great thing is they already have a relationship with the client, right, the the end user. Yeah. And so it just makes it so much easier. And when you think about smart home initiatives and some of that that's uh, that's going to be coming down the way, it, if you've got your electric company with fiber to the home and they're also delivering you a meter for your power, now all of a sudden you start opening up more opportunities within the home and, uh, you know, really better connectivity. So. Super excited about that. But that's really how, how these funds um, have been working. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, we, we certainly have some challenges around finding labor. Um, and so it, helping that shift. And what I mean by challenges finding labor is uh, you get these awards for, for the money, but then you've got to have the construction crews out there to build that infrastructure and so ensuring that they meet the timing of the funding guidelines is important. Uh, but you know, I've got a lot of faith in, in the groups that are working with these co-ops out there to get, get the projects over the goal line.
0: So give us the, the Trident piece of the puzzle then. How, how can you come alongside some of these companies and, and provide value and help with their goals and with their mission here?
1: Yeah, so we, uh, from a Trident perspective, uh, you know, we've pulled together five really great brands between Presco, Proline, Rhino Markers, um, Lamb, and William Frick. And now, uh, when we think about fiber deployments, we really help in, in so many facets. Uh, number one, putting tracer wire in the ground along with the fiber. Uh, it's our Proline uh, product that allows uh, anytime there's additional excavation for a utility locator to go out there and locate and ensure that fiber doesn't get cut. Uh, With our our Rhino product, where we have post markers, tri-views, dome posts, uh, all those things you see when you're driving down the highway that says, you know, fiber here, right? And in rural America, that's super important because you've got longer stretches of highway and having Mm -hmm. it it marked uh, gives uh, additional view. And then we have very uh, detectable tape, non detectable tape, things that go above uh, the infrastructure. So if something didn't get marked and the backhoe operators out there digging, they might hit that tape before they actually hit um, hit the fiber, uh, as well as any other utilities that are marked. And then we've got great labeling with our Frick and our, our LEM brands. So, you, you know, many times having that label out there for the general public to see and understand uh, what's out there, whether there's a safety component to it or just a knowledge component. And so we've really wrapped that together under the Trident brand and and we're super super psyched as we go out to market and and working with our different uh, distributor partners and manufacturer reps and, and end users.
0: I think that's that's really well put. And um, yeah, it, it represents just uh, some exciting work that, that you're doing there at, at Trident. And so, Eric, as we start to wrap up this conversation, uh, it, it's been really great learning a little bit more about um, what these electric companies are, what these electric uh, utilities and co-ops are doing and how you're partnering alongside them. Um, what sorts of final thoughts do you have? What do you want to leave listeners and viewers with here today um, that you want to make sure that they walk away with from the podcast?
1: Yeah, what I think is important, Tyler, is that people in the community, now i putting my old city manager hat on, but people in the community and listeners that they take action, they get involved, right? So if you've got slow uh, broadband, uh, get involved in your community, talk to your leadership, talk to your co-op, talk to your electric company, and have that conversation about opportunities to serve Um, You know, you can go through an assortment of articles any day on the web and see who's out there. Um, But, you know, people need to get involved, get engaged, ask us questions. Um, And and I think that's important. Uh, I'd also say that that safety is critical, too. Right. So as infrastructure is built out, um, we always like to make sure that there's that methodical process to getting the work done. And, you know, if there are any construction contractors listening to this, you know, we always urge you to be thoughtful in the work that you do. Make sure you've got locates. Let's not be disruptive to communities because if you hit a water line, you hit a gas line, you hit a fiber line, there's going to be an outage. And yep. and that, that for many times could mean a child not being able to take a test uh or water being out in a neighborhood for the weekend uh or god forbid you know a gas line being cut in in a more serious injury so uh mm. certainly like to communicate that with with everybody i speak to
0: Excellent, excellent stuff. Eric Zimmer, National Account Manager at Trident Solutions. Eric, thank you so much for joining us here today and uh, sharing a little bit more about this, uh, this initiative and everything that's going into it and how Trident is partnering alongside uh, these utilities and co-ops. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Likewise, Tyler. Thanks so much for, for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into another episode of the program. We appreciate having you along very much. Of course, for more, you should subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest in thought leadership and solutions from the folks at Trident and at Presco and their, their family of companies that they have there. So make sure to stay up to date with the latest from the podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts these days, you can find the podcast there and stay tuned. We'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But for my guest today, Eric Zimmer, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us.